0: Did that work? Oh yeah, it looks like it is. Okay, voice memos on Macbook. Way to go. All right, here we go. Chapter 34, The Department of Mysteries. Harry wound his hand tightly into the mane of the nearest Thestral, placed a foot on the stump nearby, and scrambled clumsily onto the horse's silken back. It did not object, but twisted its head around, fangs bared, and attempted to continue its eager licking of its robes. He found there was a way of lodging his knees behind the wing joints that made him feel a little more secure, then looked around at the others. Neville had heaved himself over the back of the next thestral and was now attempting to swing one short leg over the creature's back. Luna was already in place, sitting side-saddle and adjusting her robes, as though she did this every day. Ron, Hermione, and Jenny, however, were still standing motionless on the spot, open-mouthed and staring. What? he said. How are we supposed to get on? said Ron faintly. Well, we can't say the things. Oh, it's easy, said Luna, sliding obligingly from her thestrel and marching over to him, Hermione and Jenny. Come here. She pulled him over to the other thestrels standing around, and one by one managed to help them onto the back of their mount. All three looked extremely nervous as she wound their hands into the horse's mane and told them to grip tightly before she got back onto her own steed. This is mad, Ron murmured, moving his free hand gingerly up and down the horse's neck. Matt, if I could just see it You better hope it stays invisible said Harry darkly We're all ready then They all nodded and he saw five pairs of knees tighten beneath the robes. Okay He looked down at the back of his Thestral's glossy black hat and swallowed Ministry of Magic visitors' entrance London then he said uncertainly Um, if you know where to go For a moment Harry's Thestral did nothing at all Then, with a sweeping movement that nearly unseated him, the wings on either side extended. The horse crouched slowly, then rocketed upwards so fast and so steeply that Harry had to clench his arms and legs tightly around the horse to avoid sliding backwards over its bony rump. He closed his eyes and pressed his face down into the horse's silky mane as they burst through the topmost branches of the trees and soared out into a blood-red sunset. Harry didn't think that he'd ever moved so fast. The Thestral shrieked over the castle, its wide wings hardly beating. The cooling air was slapping Harry's face. Eyes screwed up against the rushing wind. He looked around and saw his five fellows soaring along behind them. Each of them bent as low as possible into the neck of their Thestral to protect themselves from his slipstream. They were over the Hogwarts grounds. They had passed or sorry, they had passed Hogsby. Harry could see mountains and gullies below them. As the daylight began to fail, Harry saw small collections of lights as they passed over more villages, then a winding road on which a single car was beetling its way home through the hills.
1: This is
0: bizarre! Harry barely heard Ron yell from somewhere behind him. He imagined how he must feel to be speeding along at this height with no visible means of support. Twilight fell. The star, the sky was turning into a light dusky purple littered with t- tiny silver stars, and soon only the lights of the muggle towns gave them any clue of how far the ground th- above they were, or how fast they were traveling. Harry's arms were wrapped tightly around his horse's neck as he willed it to go even faster. How much time had elapsed since he had seen Sirius lying on the Department of Mysteries floor? How much longer would Sirius be able to resist Voldemort? All Harry knew for sure was that his godfather had neither done as Voldemort wanted, nor died, for he was convinced that either outcome would have caused him to feel Voldemort's jubilation or fury course through his own body, making his scar sear as painfully as it had on the night that Mr. Weasley was attacked. On they flew through the gathering darkness. Harry's face felt stiff and cold, his legs numb from gripping the thestral sides so tightly, but he did not dare shift his position unless he slipped. He was deaf from the thundering rush of air in his ears, and his mouth was dry and frozen from the cold night wind. He had lost all sense of how far they had come. All his faith, faith was in the beast beneath them, still streaking purposefully through the night, barely flapping its wings as it sped ever onwards. If they were too late... He's still alive. He's still fighting. I can feel it. If Voldemort decided Sirius was not going to crack, I'd know. Harry's stomach gave a jolt. The Thestral's head was suddenly pointing towards the ground as he actually slid forwards a few inches along its neck. They were descending at last. He thought he heard a shriek behind him and twisted around dangerously, but could see no sign of a falling body. Presumably they had all received a shock from the change of direction, just as he had and now bright orange lights were growing larger and rounder on all sides they could see the tops of buildings streams of headlights like luminous insect eyes square of pale yellow that were windows quite suddenly it seemed they were hurtling towards the pavement harry gripped the thestral with every last ounce of his strength braced for a sudden impact but the horse touched the dark ground as lightly as a shadow and harry slid from his back looking around at the street where the overflowing skip still stood a short way away from the vandalized telephone box both drained of color in the flat orange glare of the streetlights. Ron landed a short way off and toppled immediately from his Thestral into the pavements. Never again, he said, struggling to his feet. But he made as though to stride away from his Thestral, but unable to see it, collided with its hindquarters and almost fell over. Never ever again. That was the worst. <laughs> Hermione and Jenny touched down on either side of them. Both slid off their mounts a little more gracefully than Ron, though with similar expressions of relief of being back on firm ground. Neville jumped down, shaking, and Luna dismounted smoothly. "'Where do we go from here, then?' she asked Harry, in a politely interested voice, as though this was all a rather interesting day trip. "'Over here,' he said. He gave his Thestral a quick, grateful pat, then led the way quickly to the battered telephone box and opened the door. "'Come on!' he urged the others, as they hesitated. Ron and Jenny marched in obediently, Hermione, Neville, and Luna squashed themselves in after them. Harry took one glance back at the Thestrals, now forging for scraps of rotten food inside the skip, then forced himself into the box after Luna. "'Whoever's nearest the receiver, dial 62442,' he said. Ron did it, his arm bent bizarrely to reach the dial. As it whirred back into place, the cool female voice sounded inside the box. "'Welcome to the Ministry of Magic. Please state your name and business.' Um, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger, Harry said very quickly. Ginny Weasley, Neville Longbottom, Luna Lovegood, we're here to save someone unless your ministry can do it first. Thank you, said the cool female voice. Visitors, please take the badges and attach them to the front of your robes. Half a dozen badges slid out from the metal chute where it returned coins normally appeared. Hermione scooped them up and handed them mutely over to Harry, over Ginny's head. He glanced at the topmost one. Harry Potter, rescue mission visitors to the Ministry, you are required to submit us to a search and present your wands for registration at the security desk, which is located at the far end of the atrium. Fine, Harry said loudly as the scar gave another throb. How can we move? The floor of the telephone box shuddered, and the pavement rose up past its glass windows. The scavenging Thestrals were sliding out of sight. Blackness closed over their heads, and with a dull grinding noise, they sank down into the depths of the Ministry of Magic. A chink of soft golden light hit their feet and, widening, rose up their bodies. Harry bent his knees and held his wand as ready as he could in such a cramped condition as he peered through the glass to see whether anyone was waiting for them in the atrium, but it seemed to be completely empty. The light was dimmer than it had been by day. There were no fires burning under the mantelpieces set into the walls, but as the lift slid smoothly to a halt, he saw that golden symbols continued to twist sinuously in the dark blue ceiling.
1: The Ministry of Magic
0: wishes you a pleasant evening, said the woman's voice. The door of the telephone box burst open. Harry toppled out of it, followed by Neville and Luna. The only sound in the atrium was a steady rush of water from the golden fountain, where jets from the wands of the witch and wizard, the point of the centaur's arrow, the tip of the goblin's hat, and the house elf's ears continued to gush in the surrounding pool. Come on, said Harry quietly, and the six of them sprinted off down the hall. Harry, in the lead, past the fountain toward the desk where the watch wizard who had weighed Harry's wand, had sat, and was now sitting deserted. Harry felt sure there ought to be a security person there, sure their absence was an ominous sign, and his feeling of foreboding increased as they passed through the golden gates to the lifts. He pressed the nearest down button, and a lift clattered inside almost immediately. The golden grills slid apart with a great echoing clanking, and they dashed inside. Harry stabbed the number nine button. The grills closed with a bang, and the lift began to descend, jangling and rattling. Harry had not realized how noisy the lifts were on the day he had come with Mister Weasley. He was sure the din would raise every security person within the building. Yet when the lifts halted, the cool female the cool female voice said, "Department of Mysteries," and the grille slid open. They stepped out into the corridor where nothing was moving but the nearest torches, flickering in the rush of air from the lift. Harry turned, toward, turned towards the plain black door. After months and months of dreaming about it, he was here at last. "'Let's go,' he whispered, and he led the way down the corridor, Luna right behind him, gazing around with her mouth slightly open. "'Okay, listen,' said Harry, stopping again within six feet of the door. "'Maybe maybe a couple of people should stay here as a lookout, and...
1: "'And how are we going to let you know something's wrong? "'Something's coming?' asked Jimmy, her eyebrows raised. "'You could be miles
0: away.'
1: "'We're coming with you, Harry,'
0: said Neville. "'Let's get on with it, then,' said Ron firmly." Harry didn't want to take them all with him, but it seemed he had no choice. He turned to face the door and walked forwards, just as he had in his dream. It swung open, and he marched forward, leading the others over the threshold. They were standing in a large, circular room. Everything in here was black, including the floor and ceiling. Identical, unmarked, handleless black doors were set at intervals all around the black walls, interspersed with branches of candles whose flames burned blue. Their cool, shimmering light reflected in the shining marble floor made it look as though there was a dark water underfoot. "'Someone set, shut the door!' Harry muttered. He regretted giving this order the moment Neville had obeyed him. Without the long chink of light from the torchlight corridor behind them, the place became so dark that for a moment the only things they could see were the bunches of shivering blue flames on the walls and their ghostly reflections in the floor. In his dream, Harry had always walked purposely across this room to the door immediately opposite the entrance and walked on. But there were around a dozen doors here. Just as he was gazing ahead at the doors opposite him, trying to decide which was the right one, there was a great rumbling noise, and the candles began to move sideways. The circular wall was rotating. Hermione grabbed Harry's arm as though frightened the floor might move too, but it did not. For a few seconds, the blue flames around them were blurred to resemble neon lines as the wall sped around. Then, quite as suddenly as it had started, the rumbling stopped, and everything became stationary once again. Harry's eyes had blue streaks burned into them. It was all he could see.
1: "'What was that about?'
0: whispered Ron fearfully.
1: "'I think it was to stop us from knowing which door we came in
0: through,' said Jenny in a hushed voice. Harry realized at once that she was right. He could no sooner identify the exit door than locate an ant on the jet-black floor, and the door through which they needed to proceed could be any one of the dozen doors surrounding them. "'How are we going to get back out?' said Neville uncomfortably. "'Well, that doesn't matter now,' said Harry forcefully, blinking to try to erase the blue lines from his vision and clutching his wand tighter than ever. "'We don't need to get out until we've found Sirius.' "'Don't go calling for him, though,' Hermione said urgently.' but Harry had never needed her, her advice less. His instinct was to keep as quiet as possible.
1: Where do we go then, now, Harry?
0: Ron asked. I, I don't, Harry began. He swallowed. In the dreams, I went through the door at the end of the corridor from the lifts into a dark room. That's this one. And then I went through another door into the room that kind of glitters. We should try a few doors, he said hastily. I know the right way when I see it. Come on. He marched straight at the door, now facing him, the others following close behind him, set his left hand against its cool, shining surface, raised his wand ready to strike the moment it opened, and pushed. It swung open easily. After the darkness of the first room, the lamps hanging low on the golden chains from this ceiling gave the impression that this long, rectangular room was much brighter, though there was no glittering, shimmering lights as Harry had seen in his dreams. The place was quite empty, except for a few desks, and... In the very middle of the room, an enormous glass tank deep of deep, full, uh, an enormous glass tank of deep, deep, green liquid, big enough for all of them to swim in. A number of pearly white objects were drifting around lazily in it. What are those things? whispered Ron. I don't know, said Harry. Are they fish? breathed Jenny. Aquavarius maggots, said Luna excitedly. Dad said the ministry were breeding. No, said Hermione. She sounded odd. She moved forward to look at the side of the tank. The brains, brains, yes. I wonder what they're doing with them. Harry joined her at the tank. Sure enough, there could be no mistake now that he saw them. Now that he saw them at close quarters, glimmering eerily, they drifted in and out of sight in the depths of the green liquid, looking something like slimy cauliflowers. Let's get out of here," said Harry. "This isn't right. We need to try another door." Duel. "The doors here, too," said Ron, pointing around the walls. Harry's heart sank. How big was this place? In my dream, I went through that dark room into the second one, he said. I think we should go back and try from there. So they hurried back into the dark circular room. The ghostly shapes of the brains were now swimming before Harry's eyes instead of the blue candle flames. Wait, said Hermione sharply, as Luna made to close the door of the brain room behind them. "Flagrate!" She drew with her wand in midair, and a fiery X appeared on the door. No sooner had the door clicked shut behind them than there was then there was a great rumbling, and once again the wall began to revolve very fast. But now there was a great red gold blur, and in amongst the faint blue, and when it became all still again, the fiery cross still burned, showing the door that they had already tried. "Good thinking," said Harry. "Okay, let's try this one." Again he strode directly at the door facing him and pushed it open. His wand still raised, the others at his heels. This room was larger than the last, dimly lit and rectangular, and the center of it was sunken, forming a great stone pit some twenty feet deep. They were standing at the topmost tier of what seemed to be stone benches running all around the room and descending in steep steps like an amphitheater, or the courtroom in which Harry had been tried by the Wisingamot. Instead of a chained chair, however, there was a raised stone dais in the center of the pit, on which stood a stone archway that looked so ancient, cracked, and crumbling that Harry was amazed that the thing was still standing. Unsupported by any surrounding wall, the archway was hung with a tattered black curtain or veil which, despite the complete stillness of the cold air surrounding it, was fluttering very slightly, as though it had just been touched. "'Who's there?' said Harry, jumping down into the bench below. There was no answering voice, but the veil continued to flutter and sway.
1: "'Careful!'
0: whispered Hermione. Harry scrambled down the benches one by one until he reached the stone bottom of the sunken pit. His footsteps echoed loudly as he walked slowly toward the dais. The pointed archway looked much taller from where he now stood than it had been when he was looking down on it from above. Still, the veil veil swayed gently, as though somebody had just passed through it.
2: "'Serious!'
0: Harry spoke again, but more quietly now that he was nearer. He had the strangest feeling that there was someone standing right behind the veil on the other side of the archway. Gripping his wand very tightly, he edged around the dais, there's nobody there. All that could be seen was the other side of the tattered black veil. "'Let's go!' called Hermione from halfway up the stone steps. "'This isn't right, Harry. Come on, let's go!' She sounded scared, much more scared than she had when a room of brains had been swimming. Yet Harry thought the archway had a kind of beauty about it, odd as though it was. The gently rippling veil intrigued him. He felt a very strong inclination to climb up on the dais and walk through it. "'Harry, let's go, okay?' Said Hermione more forcefully. Okay, he said, but he didn't move. He had just heard something. There were faint whispering, murmuring noises coming from the other side of the veil. What are you saying? He said very loudly so that his words echoed all around the stone benches. Nobody's talking, Harry, said Hermione, now moving over to him. Someone's whispering behind there, he said, moving out of her reach and continuing to frown at the it veil.
1: It's like a portal, kind of.
0: Mm. Is that you, Ron? I'm here, May, said Ron, appearing around the side of the archway. Can't anyone else hear it? Harry demanded, for the whispering and murmuring were becoming louder. Without really meaning to put it there, he found his foot was on the dais. I can hear them, too, breathed Luna, joining them around the side of the archway and gazing at the swaying veil.
1: There are people in there. What do
0: you mean, in there? demanded Hermione, jumping down from the bottom step and sounding much angrier than the occasion warranted. There isn't any in there. It's just an archway. There's no room for anybody to be in there. Harry, stop it. Come away. She grabbed his arm and pulled, but he resisted. Harry, we are supposed to be here for Sirius, she said in a high-pitched, strained voice. Sirius, Harry repeated, still gazing, mesmerized, mesmerized at the continuing, continuously swaying veil. Yeah. Something finally slid back into place in his brain serious captured bound tortured and he was staring at this archway he took several paces back from the dais and wrenched his eyes away from the veil let's go he said that's what i've been trying to (sighs) well come on then said hermione and she led the way back around the dais on the other side jenny and neville were staring apparently entranced at the veil too without speaking hermione took hold of jenny's arm ron grabbed neville's and they marched them firmly back to the lowest stone bench and clambered all the way back up to the door. What you reckon that arch was? Harry asked Hermione, as they regained, as they regained the dark circular room. I don't know, but whatever it was, it was dangerous. She said firmly, again inscribing a fiery cross on the door. Once more, the wall spun and began became still again. Harry approached another door at random and pushed. It didn't move. What's wrong? said hermione it's locked said harry throwing his weight at the door but it didn't budge well this is it isn't it said ron excitedly joining harry in the attempt to force the door open bound to be get out of the way said hermione sharply she pointed her wand at the place where a lock would have been on an ordinary door and said "Alohamora." nothing happened sirius's knife said harry He pulled it out from inside his robes and slid it into the crack between the door and the wall. The others all watched eagerly as he ran it from top to bottom, withdrew it, and then flung his shoulder again against the door. It remained as firmly shut as ever. What was more, when Harry looked down at the knife, he saw that the blade had melted. Right, we're leaving that room, said Hermione decisively. But what if it's the one, said Ron, staring at it with a mixture of apprehension and longing? It can't be. Harry could get through all the doors in his dream, said Hermione, marking the door with another fiery cross, as Harry replaced the now useless handle of Sirius's knife in his pocket.
1: "'You know what could be in there,'
0: said Luna eagerly, as the wall started to spin again. "'Something bittering, no doubt,' said Hermione under her breath, and Neville gave a nervous little laugh. The wall slid to a halt, and Harry, with a feeling of increased desperation, pushed the next door open.
1: "'This is it!'
0: He knew at once by the beautiful dancing diamond sparkling light as harry's eyes became accustomed to the brilliant glare he saw clocks gleaming from every surface large and small grandfather in carriage hanging in spaces between the bookcases or standing on desks ranging the length of the room so that a busy relentless ticking filled the place like thousands of minuscule marching footsteps the source of the dancing diamond bright light was a towering crystal bell jar that stood at the far end of the room this way Harry's heart was pumping frantically now that he knew that they were on the right track. He led the way down the narrow space between the lines of desks, heading, as he had done in his dream, for the source of the light, the crystal bell jar, quite as tall as he was, that stood on a desk and appeared to be full of billowing, glittering wind. Oh, look, said Ginny as they drew nearer, pointing at the very heart of the bell jar. Drifting along in the sparkling current inside was a tiny jewel-bright egg. As it rose in the jar, it cracked open, and a hummingbird emerged, which would then carry to the very top of the jar. But as it fell on the draft, its feather- feathers became bedraggled and damp again, and by the time it had been borne back to the bottom of the jar, it had been enclosed once more in the egg. "'Keep going,' said Harry sharply, because Jimmy showed signs of wanting to stop and watch the egg's progress back into a bird. "'You dawdled along enough by that old arch,' she said crossly. But followed him past the bell jar... the only door behind it this is it harry said again and his heart was now pumping so hard and so fast that he felt it must interfere with the speech it's through here he glanced around them all they all had their wands out and looked suddenly serious and anxious he looked back at the door and pushed it swung open they were there they had found the place high as a church and full of nothing but towering shelves covered in small, dusty glass orbs. They glimmered dully in the light, issuing from more candle brackets set at intervals along the shelves. Like those in the circular room behind them, their flames were burning blue. The room was very cold. Harry edged forward and peered down into the shadowy aisles between two rows of shelves. He could not hear anything or see the slightest sign of movement.
1: "'You said
0: it was row
2: 97,'
0: whispered Hermione. "'Yeah.' Breathed Harry, looking up at the end of the closest row. Beneath the branch of the blue glowing candles protruding from it glimmered the silver figure 53.
2: We need to go right, I think,
0: whispered Hermione, squinting to the next row. Yes, that's 54. Keep your wands ready, Harry said softly. They crept forward, glancing behind them as they went down the long alleys of shelves, the further ends of which were in t- near total darkness. Tiny, yellowing labels had been stuck beneath each glass orb on the shelf. Some of them had a weird liquid glow. Others were as dull and dark within as blown light bulbs. They passed row 84. 85. Harry was listening hard for the slightest sound of movement, but Sirius might be gagged now or else unconscious. Or, said an unbidden voice inside his head, he might already be dead. I'd have it. He told himself his heart now hammering against his adam's apple i'd already know 97 whispered hermione they stood grouped around the end of the new row gazing down the alley beside it there was nobody there he's right down at the end said harry whose mouth had become slightly dry you can't see properly from here and he led them between the towering rows of glass balls some of which glowed softly as they passed. He should be near, whispered Harry, convinced that every step was going to bring the ragged form of Sirius into view on the darkened floor. anywhere here, really close. Harry, said Hermione tentatively, but he did not want to respond. His mouth was very dry. Somewhere about here, he said. They had reached the end of the row and emerged into more dim candlelight there was nobody there all was echoing dusty silence he he might be Harry whispered hoarsely peering down the next alley or maybe he hurried to look down the one beyond that Harry said Hermione again what he snarled I I don't think Sirius is here nobody spoke Harry did not want to look at any of them felt sick. He did not understand why Sirius was not here. He had to be here. This was where he, Harry, had seen him. He ran up the space at the end of the rows, staring down at them. Empty aisle after empty aisle flickered past. He ran the other way, back past his staring companions. There was no sign of Sirius anywhere, nor any hint of a struggle. "'Harry!' Ron called. "'What?' He did not want to hear what Ron had to say, did not want to hear Ron tell him that he had been stupid or suggest that they ought to go back to Hogwarts, but the heat was rising in his face, and he felt as though that he would like to skulk down here in the darkness for a long while before facing the brightness of the atrium above and the other's accusing stares.
1: "Have you seen this?'
0: said Ron. "'What?' said Harry, but eagerly this time. It had to be a sign that Sirius had been close, a clue." He strode back to where they were all standing, a little way down Road 97, but found nothing except Ron staring at one of the dusty glass spheres on the shelf. What? Harry repeated glumly.
1: It's... It's got your name on...
0: said Ron. Harry moved a little closer. Ron was pointing at one of the small glass spheres that glowed with a dull inner light, though it was very dusty and appeared not to have been touched for many years. My name? said Harry blankly. He stepped forwards. Not as tall as Ron, he had to crane his neck to read the yellowish label affixed to the shelf, right beneath the dusty glass ball. In spidery writing was written a date of some sixteen years previously, and below that, SPT, to, APWBD, Dark Lord and question mark, Harry Potter. Harry stared at it.
2: What is it?
0: It's a Ron memory. asked. "'sounding unnerved. "'What's your name doing down here?' "'He glanced along the other labels "'along the stretch of shelf. "'I'm not here,' he said, "'sounding perplexed. "'None of the rest of us are here. "'Harry, I don't think that you should touch it,' "'said Hermione sharply, "'as he stretched out his hand. "'Why not?' he said. "'It's something to do with me, isn't it?' "'Don't, Harry,' said Neville suddenly. "'Harry looked at him. Neville's round face was shining slightly with sweat. He looked as though that he could not take on much more suspense. "'It's got my name on,' said Harry. And, feeling slightly reckless, he closed his fingers around the dusty ball surface. He had expected it to feel cold, but it did not. On the contrary, it felt as though it had been lying in the sun for hours, as though the glow of light within it was warming it. Expecting, even hoping, that something dramatic was going to happen— something exciting that might make their long and dangerous journey worthwhile after all, Harry lifted the glass ball down from its shelf and stared at it. Nothing whatsoever happened. The others moved in closer around Harry, gazing at the orb as he brushed it free of the clogging dust. And then, from right behind them, a drawling voice spoke. Very good, Potter. Now turn around nice and slowly and give that to me. End of chapter 34 what chapter 35 beyond the veil
2: who is that
0: black shapes
2: this Malfoy? Okay.
0: black shapes were emerging out of thin air all around them blocking their way left and right eyes glinting through slits in hoods a dozen lit wand tips were pointing directly at their hearts jenny gave a mask of horror to me potter repeated the drawling voice of Lucius Malfoy, as he held out his hand, palm up. Harry's inside plummeted sickeningly. They were trapped, and outnumbered two to one. "'To me,' said Malfoy yet again. "'We're serious,' Harry said. Several of the Death Eaters laughed. A harsh female voice from the midst of the shadowy figures to Harry's left said triumphantly, "'The Dark
2: Lord always knows!'
0: always echoed Malfoy softly now give me the prophecy Potter I want to know where Sirius is I want
1: to know where Sirius
0: is mimicked the woman to his left she and her fellow Death Eaters had closed in so that they were mere feet away from Harry and the others the light from their wands dazzling Harry's eyes you've got him said Harry ignoring the rising panic in his chest the dread that he had been fighting since they had first entered the 97th row "'He's here. I know he is.'
2: "'The little baby woke up frightened, and for what it
0: dreamed he would,' said the woman in a horrible mock baby voice. Harry felt Ron stir beside him. "'Don't do anything,' Harry muttered. "'Not yet.' The woman who had mimicked him let out a raucous scream of laughter. "'You hear him? Do you hear him? "'Giving instructions to the other children as though he thinks of fighting us?' Oh, don't you know Potter as I do, Bellatrix, said Malfoy softly. He has a great weakness for heroics. The Dark Lord understands about this. Now, give me the prophecy, Potter. I know Sirius is here, said Harry, though panic was causing his chest to constrict, constrict and he felt as though that he would not breathe properly. I know you've got him. More of the Death Eaters laughed, though the woman laughed loudest of all. It's time you learned the difference between life and dreams, Potter, said Malfoy. Now, give me the prophecy or we start using wands. Go on, then, said Harry, raising his own wand to chest tight. As he did so, the five wands of Ron, Hermione, Neville, Ginny, and Luna rose on either side of him. The knot in Harry's stomach tightened. If Sirius was really not here, he had led his friends to their deaths for no reason at all the death eaters did not strike hand over the prophecy and no one need get hurt said malfoy coolly it was harry's turn to laugh "You're yeah, right he said i give you this this prophecy is it and you'll just skip off home will you the words were hardly out of his mouth when the female death eater shrieked Akio prof harry was ready for her he shouted protego before she had finished her spell and though the glass sphere slipped to the tip of his fingers, he managed to cling on to it. Oh, he knows that play, little bitty baby Potter, she said, her mad eyes staring through slits in her hood. Very well, then, I told you no, Lucius Malfoy roared at the woman, if you smash it. Harry's mind was racing. The Death Eaters wanted this dusty, spun glass sphere. He had no interest in it. He just wanted to get them all out of this alive to make sure that none of his friends paid a terrible price for his stupidity. Eli, what are you doing? The woman stepped back, or sorry, the woman stepped forward away from her fellows and pulled off her hood. Ascaban had hollowed Bellatrix Lestrange's face, making it gaunt and skull-like, but it was alive with a feverish, fanatical glow. You need more persuasion she said her chest rising and falling rapidly very well take the smallest one she ordered the death eaters beside her let him watch while we torture the little girl i'll do it harry felt the others close in around jenny he stepped sideways so that he was right in front of her the prophecy held to his chest you'll have to smash this if you want to attack any of us he told bellatrix i don't think your boss will be too pleased if any of you don't come back without it will he she did not move She merely stared at him, the tip of her tongue moistening her her thin mouth. So, said Harry, what kind of prophecy are we talking about anyway? He couldn't think of what to do but to keep talking. Neville's arm was pressed against his, and he could feel him shaking. He could feel one of the others quickening, quickening breath on the back of his head. He was hoping that they were all thinking hard about ways to get out of this, because his mind was blank. What kind of prophecy? repeated Bellatrix the grin fading from her face you jest harry potter nope not jesting said harry his eyes flicking from death eater to death eater looking for a weak link a space through which they could escape how come voldemort wants it several of the death eaters let out low hisses you dare speak his name whispered bellatrix yeah said harry maintaining his tight grip on the glass ball expecting another attempt to try to bewitch it from him
1: yeah, I've got no problem saying, but oh, shut your mouth,
0: Bellatrix shrieked. You dare speak his name with your unworthy lips. You dare be smushing with your half-blood tongue. You dare. Did you know that he's a half-blood too, said Harry recklessly. Hermione gave a little moan in his ear. Voldemort, yeah, his mother was a witch, but his dad was a muggle. Why has he been telling you that he's a poor-blood? Stupefied, no! A jet of red light had shot from the end of Bellatrix's strange as one, but Malfoy had deflected it. His spell caused hers to hit the shelf a foot to the left of Harry, and several of the glass orbs there shattered. Two figures, pearly white as ghosts, fluid as smoke, unfurled themselves from the fragments of broken glass upon the floor, and each began to speak. Their voices vied with each other, so that the fragments of what they were saying could be heard over what Malfoy and Bellatrix would shout.
1: At ah, the solstice will come anew,
0: said the figure of an old bearded man. Do not attack! We need the prophecy! He's dead! He dares! shrieked Bellatrix incoherently. "'He stands there, filthy little half-blood. "'Wait until we've got the prophecy,' bawled Malfoy.
1: "'And none will come after,'
0: "'said the figure of a young woman. "'The two figures that had burst from the shattered spheres "'had melted into thin air. "'Nothing remained of them or their erstwhile homes "'but fragments of glass upon the floor. "'They had, however, given Harry an idea. "'The problem was going to be conveying it to the others.' You haven't told me what's so special about this prophecy I'm supposed to be handing over, he said, playing for time. He moved his foot slowly sideways, feeling around for someone else's. Do not play games with us, Potter, said Malfoy. I'm not playing games, said Harry, half his mind on the conversation, half on his wandering foot. And then he found someone's toes and pressed down upon them. A sharp intake of breath behind him told told him that they were Hermione's. What? she whispered. Dumbledore told you never... Never told you the reason that you bear that scar was hidden in the bowels of the Department of Mysteries, Malfoy sneered. I what? said Harry. For a moment he quite forgot his plan. What about my scar? What? whispered Hermione more urgently behind him. Can this be? said Malfoy, sounding maliciously delighted. Some of the Death Eaters were laughing again, and under cover of laughter, Harry hissed to Hermione, moving his lips a little as possible. Smashed shelves. Tumbledore never told you Malfoy repeated well this explains why you didn't come earlier Potter the Dark Lord wondered why when I say now you didn't come running when he showed you the place where it was hidden in your dreams he thought it natural curiosity would make you want to hear the exact wording did he said Harry behind him he felt rather he felt rather than heard Hermione passing his message to the others and he sought to keep talking to distract the Death Eaters So he wanted me to come get it, did he? Why? Why? Malfoy sounded incredulously delighted. Because the only people who have permitted to retrieve a prophecy from the Department of Mysteries, Potter, are those about whom it was made, as the Dark Lord discovered when he attempted to use others to steal it for him. And why does he want to steal a prophecy about me? About both of you, Potter, about both of you. Haven't you ever wondered why the Dark Lord tried to steal you as a baby? Harry stared at the slitted eye-holes through which Malfoy's gray eyes were gleaming. Was this prophecy the reason Harry's parents had died? The reason he carried the lightning bolt scar? Was the answer to all of this clutched in his hand? Someone made a prophecy about Voldemort to me? He said quietly, gazing at Lucius Malfoy, his fingers tightening over the warm glass sphere in his hand. It was hardly larger than a snitch, and still gritty with dust. And... He's made me come and get it for him. Why, why couldn't he come and get it for himself? Get it himself, shrieked Bellatrix over a cackle of mad laughter.
1: The Dark Lord
2: walk into the Ministry of Magic where they are so sweetly ignoring his return. The Dark Lord reveal himself to the Aurors when at the moment they are wasting their time on my dear cousin.
0: So he's got you doing his dirty work for him then, has he? said Harry like he tried to get Sturgis to see it, and bowed. Very good, Potter, very good, said Malfoy slowly. But the Dark Lord knows that you are not unintended Now! yelled Harry. Five different voices behind him bellowed. Reducto! Five curses flew in five different directions, and the shelves opposite them exploded as they hit. The towering structure swayed as a hundred glass spheres burst apart. Pearly white figures unfurled into the air and floated there, their voices echoing from- Who knew what the long dead passed amid the torrent of crashing glass and splintered wood now raining down upon the floor? Run! Harry yelled, as the shelves swayed precariously and more glass spears began to fall from above. He seized a handful of Hermione's robes and dragged her forwards, holding one arm over his head as chunks of shelf and shards of glass thundered down upon them. A Death Eater lunged forward to a cloud of dust, and Harry elbowed him hard in the masked face. They were all yelling. There were cries of pain and thunderous crashes as the shelves collapsed upon themselves, weirdly echoing fragments of the seers unleashed upon their up from their spheres. Harry found the way ahead clear and saw Ron, Ginny, and Luna sprint past him, their arms over their heads. Something heavy struck him on the side of the face, but he nearly ducked his head and sprinted onwards. A hand caught him by the shoulder. He heard Hermione shout, "Stupefy!" The hand released him at once. They were at the end of row 97. Harry turned right and began to sprint in earnest. He could hear footsteps right behind him and Hermione's voice urging Neville on. Straight ahead, the door through which they had all come, was ajar. Harry could see the glittering light of the bell jar. He pelted through the doorway, the prophecy still clutched tight and safe in his hand, and waited for the others to hurtle over the threshold before slamming the door behind them. "'Coloportus!' gasped Hermione as the door sealed itself with an odd squelching noise. "'Where... where are the others?' "'Gasped Harry. "'He had thought Ron, Luna, and Ginny were ahead of them. "'They would be waiting in this room. "'But there was nobody there.
1: "'They must have gone the wrong way,'
0: whispered Hermione, "'terror in her, in her face.
1: "'Listen,'
0: whispered Neville. "'Footsteps and shouts echoed from behind the door they just sealed. "'Harry put his ear close to the door to listen "'and heard Lucius Malfoy roar. "'Leave not, leave him, I say. "'His injuries will be nothing to the Dark Lord "'compared to losing that prophecy.' Jugson, come back here. We need to organise. We'll split into pairs and search, and don't forget, be gentle with Potter until we've got the prophecy. You can kill the others if necessary. Bellatrix, Rudolphus, you take the left. Crab, grab a stand, go right. Jugson, Dolohov, the door straight ahead. McNair and Avery, through here. Rookwood, over there. Bolsover, come with me. What do we do? Hermione asked Harry, trembling from head to foot. Well, we don't stand here waiting for them to come find us for a start said Harry. Let's get away from the stool. They ran as quietly as they could, past the shimmering bell jar where the tiny egg was hatching and unhatching, towards the exit and to the circular hallway at the far end of the room. They were almost there when Harry heard something large and heavy collide with the door Hermione had, had charmed shut. Stand aside, said a rough voice. Alohomora! As the door flew open, Harry, Hermione, and Neville dived under desks. They could see the bottom of two Death Eaters robes drawing nearer, their feet moving rapidly. They might have run straight through the hall, said the rough voice. Check under the desks, said another. Harry saw the knees of the Death Eater's bend. Poking his wand out from under the desk, he shouted, "Stupefy!" The jet of red light hit the nearest Death Eater. He fell backwards into a grandfather clock and knocked it over. The second Death Eater, however, had leapt aside to avoid Harry's spell and was pointing his own wand at Hermione, who was crawling out from under the desk to get a better aim. Avada! Harry launched himself across the floor and grabbed the Death Eater around the knees, causing him to topple and his arm to go awry. Neville overturned a desk in his anxiety to help, and pointing his wand wildly at the struggling pair, he cried,
1: Expelliarmus!
0: Both Harry's and the Death Eater's wands flew out of their hands and soared back toward the entrance of the Hall of Prophecy. Both scrambled to their feet and charged after them. The Death Eater in front, Harry hot on his heels, and Neville bringing up the rear, plainly horror-struck by what he had just done.
1: Get out of the way, Harry,
0: yelled Neville, clearly determined to repair the damage. Harry flung himself sideways as Neville took aim again and shouted, Stupefy! The jet of red light flew right over the Death Eater's shoulders and hit a glass-fronted cabinet on the wall full of variously shaped hourglasses. The cabinet fell to the floor and burst apart, glass flying everywhere, sprang back up to the wall, fully mended, then fell down again and shattered. The Death Eater had snatched up his wand, which lay on the floor beside the glittering bell jar. Harry ducked behind another desk as the man turned. His mask had slipped so that he couldn't see. He ripped it off with his free hand and shouted, STUPEFY! screamed Hermione, who had just caught up with them. The jet of red light hit the Death Eater in the middle of his chest. He froze, his arm still raised. His wand fell to the floor with a clatter, and he collapsed backwards towards the bell jar. Harry expected to hear a clunk the man to hit solid glass and slide off the bell jar to the floor but instead his head sank through the surface of the bell jar as though it was nothing but a soap bubble and he came to rest sprawled on his back on the table with his head lying inside the jar full of the glittering wind accio wand cried Hermione. harry's wand flew from a dark corner into her hand and she threw it at him thanks he said
1: right let's get out of
0: look out said neville horrified he was staring at the Death Eater's head in the bell jar. All three of them raised their ones again, but none of them struck. They were all gazing, open-mouthed, appalled at what was happening to the man's head. It was shrinking very fast, growing balder and balder, the black hair and stubble retracting into his skull, his cheeks becoming smooth, his skull round and covered with peach-like fuzz. A baby's head, now sat grotesquely on top of the thick, muscled neck of the Death Eater, as he struggled to get up again. But even as they watched, their mouths open, the head began to swell to its previous proportions again. Thick black hair was sprouting from the pate and chin. "'It's time,' said Hermione in an awestruck voice. "'Time!' The Death Eater shook his ugly head again, trying to clear it, but before he could pull himself together, it began to shrink back to babyhood once more. There was a shout from a room nearby, then a crash and a scream. "'Run!' Harry yelled, turning quickly from the monstrous transformation taking place before them. Ginny! Luna! Harry! Hermione screamed. The Death Eater had pulled his head out of the bell jar. His appearance was utterly bizarre, his tiny baby's head bawling loudly while his thick arms flailed dangerously in all directions, narrowly missing Harry, who had ducked. Harry raised his wand, but to his amazement, Hermione seized his arm. You can't hurt a baby! (laughs) There was no time to argue that point. Harry could hear more footsteps growing louder from the Hall of Prophecy and knew, too late, that he ought not to have shouted to give away their position. "'Come on!' he said. And leaving the ugly, baby-headed Death Eater staggering behind them, they took off for the door that stood open at the other end of the room. What was that? Yeah. Leading back to the black hallway. They had run halfway towards it when Harry saw through the open door two more Death Eaters running across the black room towards them. Veering left, he burst instead into a small, dark, cluttered office, and slammed the door shut behind them. "Colo," began Hermione, but before she could complete the spell, the door had burst open, and the two Death Eaters had come hurtling inside. With a cry cry of triumph, both yelled, "'Emperimentia!' Harry, Hermione, and Neville were all knocked backwards off their feet. Neville was thrown back over the desk and disappeared from view. Hermione smashed into a bookcase and was promptly divulged into a cascade of heavy books. The back of Harry's head slammed into the stone wall behind him, Tiny lights burst in front of his eyes, and for a moment he was too dizzy and bewildered to react. "'We've got him!' yelled the Death Eater nearest Harry. "'In in an office of Silencio!' cried Hermione, and the man's voice was extinguished. He continued to mouth through the hole in his mask, but no sound came out. He was thrust aside by his fellow Death Eater. "'Petrificus Totalis!" shouted Harry, and the second Death Eater raised his wand, as the second Death Eater raised his wand. His arms and legs snapped together and he fell forward, face down onto the rug at Harry's feet, stiff as a board and unable to move. Well done, Hat! But the Death Eater Hermione had just struck Don made a sudden slashing movement with his wand. A streak of what looked like purple flame passed right across Hermione's chest. She gave a tiny "Oh!" as though of surprise, and crumpled onto the floor, where she lay motionless. Hermione! Harry fell to his knees beside her as Neville crawled rapidly towards her from under the desk. His wand held up in front of him. The Death Eater kicked out hard at Neville's head as he emerged. His foot broke Neville's wand in two and connected with his face. Neville gave a howl of pain and recoiled, clutching his mouth and nose. Harry twisted around, his own wand held high, and saw that the Death Eater had ripped off his mask and was pointing his wand directly at Harry, who rec- Harry who recognized the long, pale, twisted face from the Daily Prophet, Antonin Dolohov, the wizard who had murdered the Pruits. Dolohov grinned. With his free hand, he pointed from the prophecy. He pointed. The Pruitts? I don't remember who they were. With his free hand, he pointed from the prophecy still clutched in Harry's hand to himself, then at Hermione. Though he could no longer speak, his meaning could not have been clearer. Give me the prophecy, or you get the same as her. Like you won't kill us anyway the moment I hand it over, said Harry. A whine of panic inside his head was preventing him from thinking properly. He had one hand on Hermione's shoulder, which was still warm, yet he did not dare look at her properly. Don't let her be dead. Don't let her be dead. It's my fault if she's dead.
1: Whatever you do, Harry,
0: said Neville fiercely from under the desk, lowering his hands to show a clearly broken nose and blood pouring down his mouth and chin.
1: Don't give it to him.
0: Then there was a crash outside the door, and Dolohov looked over his shoulder. The baby-headed Death Eater had appeared in the doorway, his head bawling, his great fist still flailing uncontrollably as everything around him. Harry seized his chance. Petrificus Totalis!" The spell hit Dolohov before he could block it, and he toppled forward across his comrade, both of them rigid as boards and un- unable to move an inch. Hermione! Harry said once again, shaking her as the baby-headed Death Eater blundered out of sight again. Hermione! Wake up! What What did he do to her? Said Neville, crawling out from under the desk to kneel at the other side, blood streaming from his rapidly swelling nose. I don't know. Neville groped for Hermione's wrist.
1: That's a pulse, Harry. I'm sure it is.
0: Such a powerful wave of relief swept through Harry that for a moment he felt light-headed.
1: She's alive.
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> there was a pause in which Harry listened hard for the sound of more footsteps but all he could hear were the whimpers and blunderings of the baby-headed Death Eater in the next room. Neville, we're not far from the exit, Harry whispered. We're right next to that circular room. If we can just get across it and find the right door before any of the more Death
1: Eaters come, I'll bet you can get Hermione up the corridor and to the lift. Then if you could find someone, raise the alarm. What are you going to do?
0: said Neville, mopping his bleeding nose with his sleeve and frowning at Harry. I've got to find the others, said Harry. Well, if you're going to fight them with you, said Neville firmly. But Hermione will take her with us, said Neville firmly.
1: I'll carry her. You're better at fighting
0: them than I am. He stood up and seized one of Hermione's arms, glaring at Harry, who hesitated, then grabbed the other and helped hoist Hermione's limp form over Neville's shoulders. Wait, said Harry, snatching up Hermione's wand from the floor and shoving it in Neville's hand. You'd best take this. Neville kicked aside the broken fragments of his own wand as they walked slowly towards the door. "'My grand's going to kill me,' said Neville thickly, blood splattering from his nose as he spoke. "'That was my dad's old wand.' Harry stuck his head out of the door and looked around cautiously. The baby-headed Death Eater was screaming and hanging on to things, toppling—banging into things, toppling grandfather clocks and overturning desks, bawling and confused— while the glass-fronted cabinet that Harry now suspected had contained time-turners continued to fall, shatter, and repair itself from the wall behind them. He's never going to notice us, he whispered. Come on, keep close behind me. They crept out of the office and back towards the door into the black hallway, which now seemed completely deserted. They walked a few steps forwards. Neville, tottering slightly due to Hermione's weight, the door of the time room swung shut behind them, and the walls began to rotate once more. The recent blow in the back of Harry's head seemed to have unsteadied him. His narrow his narrowed eyes swaying slightly until all the walls stopped moving again. With a sinking heart, Harry saw that Hermione's fiery crosses had faded from the doors. So which way do you reckon? before before they could make a decision as to which way to try, a door to their right sprang open and three people fell out of it. Run croaked Harry, dashing towards them. Jinny! Are you all? Harry said ron giggling weakly lurching forward seizing the front of harry's robes and gazing at him with unfocused eyes <laughs> there you are you look funny harry oh you're all messed up ron's face was very white and something dark was trickling from the corner of his mouth the next moment his knees had given way, but he still clutched the front of harry's robe so that harry was pulled into a kind of bow jimmy harry said fearfully what happened but Jenny shook her head and slid down the wall into a sitting position, panting and holding her ankle.
1: "'I think our ankle's broken. I heard something crack,'
0: whispered Luna, who was bending over her and who alone seemed to be unhurt.
1: Four of them chased us into a dark room full of planets. It was a very odd place. Some of the time we were just floating in the dark.'
0: "'Ari, we saw Uranus up close,' said Ron, still giggling feebly. feebly. "'Get, Ari, we saw Uranus!' <laughs> A bubble of blood grew at the corner of Ron's mouth and burst.
1: Anyway, one of them grabbed Ginny's foot. I
0: used the reductor curse. and blew up Pluto in his face, but... Ginny gestured hopelessly at Ginny, who was breathing in a very shallow way, her eyes still closed. What about Ron? said Harry fearfully, as Ron continued to giggle, still hanging off the front of Harry's robes.
1: I don't know what they'd hit him with,
0: said Luna sadly. But he's
1: gone a bit funny. I could hardly get him along at all.
0: Harry, said Ron, pulling Harry's ear down to his mouth and still giggling weakly.
1: <laughs>
0: you know who this girl is, Harry. She's Looney Lovegood.
1: Loony Lovegood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've got to get out of here, said Harry firmly. Luna, can you help Ginny? Yes, said Luna, sticking her wand behind her ear for safekeeping, then putting an arm around Ginny's waist and pulling her up. It's only my ankle. I can do it myself, said Ginny impatiently the next moment, she collapsed sideways and grabbed Luna for support. Harry pulled Ron's arm over her shoulder, just as so many months ago he had pulled Dudley's. He looked around. They had gone. They had a one in twelve chance of getting the right exit first time. He heaved Ron towards the door. They were a few feet from it when another door across the hall burst open and three Death Eaters sped in, led by Bellatrix Lestrange. There they are! She shrieked. Stunning spells shot across the room. "'Harry smashed his way through the doorhead, "'flung Ron unceremoniously from him, "'and ducked back to help Neville in with Hermione. "'They were all over the threshold, "'just in time to slam the door against Bellatrix. "'Call us, shouted Harry, "'and he heard three bodies slam into the door on the other side. "'It doesn't matter!' said a man's voice. "'There are other ways! We've got them! They're here!' "'Harry spun around. "'They were back in the brain room, "'and sure enough, there were doors all around the walls. "'He could hear footsteps in the hall behind them "'as more Death Eaters came running to join the first. "'Luna!' Neville, help me! The three of them tore around the room, sealing the doors as they went. Harry crashed into a table and rolled over the top of it in his haste to reach the next door. Call a There were footsteps running along beside behind the doors. Every now and then, every heavy, every now and then another heavy body would launch itself against one, so it creaked and shuddered. Luna and Neville were bewitching the doors along the opposite wall. Then, as Harry reached the very top of the room, he heard Luna cry, Colo! Ah! He turned in time to see her flying through the air. Five Death Eaters were surging into the room through the door she had not reached in time. Luna hit a desk, slid over its surface, and onto the floor on the other side, where she lay sprawled as still as Hermione.
2: "Get Potter!"
0: shrieked Bellatrix as she ran past him. He dodged her and sprinted back up into the room. He was safe as long as they thought that he might hit. That he was safe as long as they thought they might hit the prophecy. ''Hey!'' said Ron, who had staggered to his feet, he was now tottering drunkenly towards Harry, giggling. ''Hey, Harry, the brain's in there. <laughs> Isn't that weird, Harry?'' ''Ron, get out of the way. Get down!'' But Ron had already pointed his wand at the tank. ''What is Harry? The brain's, look! Accio brain!'' <laughs> the scene seemed momentarily frozen. Harry, Ginny, and Neville and each of the Death Eaters turned in spite of themselves to watch the top of the tank as a brain burst from the green liquid like a leaping fish. For a moment it seemed suspended in mid-air, then it soared towards Ron, spinning as it came, and what looked like ribbons of moving images flew from it, unraveling like rolls of film. (laughs) Harry, look at it, said Ron, watching it disgorge its gaudy innards. Harry, come on and touch it. Bet it's weird. Ron, no! Harry did not know what would happen if Ron touched the tentacles of thought now flying behind the brain, but he was sure it would not be anything good. He darted forwards, but Ron had already caught the brain in his outstretched hands. The moment they made contact with his skin, the tentacles began wrapping themselves around Ron's arms like ropes. <laughs> Harry, look what's happened. No, no, I don't like it. No, no, stop it. But the thin ribbons were spinning around Ron's chest now. Oh he tugged and tore at them as the brain was pulled tight against him like an octopus body. Defendo! yelled Harry, trying to sever the feelers, wrapping themselves tightly around Ron before his eyes, but they would not break. Ron fell over, still thrashing against his bonds. Harry, we'll suffocate him, screamed Jenny, immobilized by her broken ankle on the floor. Then a jet of red light flew from one of the Death Eaters' wands and hit her squarely in the face. She keeled over sideways and lay there unconscious. he shouted Neville, wheeling around and waving Hermione's wand at the oncoming Death Eaters' "'Stupefy! Stupefy!' But nothing happened. One of the Death Eaters shot their own stunning spell at Neville, but it missed him by inches. Harry and Neville were now the only two left, fighting five Death Eaters, two of whom sent off streams of silver light-like arrows, which missed but left craters in the wall behind them. Harry ran for it as Bellatrix Lestrange ran right at him. Holding the prophecy high above his head, he sprinted back up in the room. All he could think of doing now was to draw the Death Eaters away from the others.' It seemed to have worked. They streaked after him, knocking over chairs and tables, flying, but not daring to bewitch him in case they heard the prophecy. And he dashed through the only open door still open, the one through which the Death Eaters themselves had come, inwardly praying that Neville would stay with Ron and find some way of releasing him. He ran a few feet into the new room and then felt the floor vanish. He was falling down, steep stone step after steep stone step, bouncing on every tier until at last... With a crash that knocked all the breath out of his body, he landed flat on his back in the sunken pit where the stone archway stood on the dais. The whole room was ringing with the Death Eater's laughter. He looked up and saw the five who had been in the brain room descending towards him, while as many more emerged through the other doorways and began leaping from bench to bench towards him. Harry got to his feet, though his legs were trembling so badly they barely supported him. The prophecy was still miraculously unbroken in his left hand. His wand clutched tightly in his right. He backed away, looking around, trying to keep all the Death Eaters within his sight. The back of his legs hit something solid. He had reached the dais where the archway stood. He climbed backwards onto it. The Death Eaters all halted, gazing at him. Some were panting as hard as he was. One was bleeding badly. Dolohov, freed of the body-bind curse, was leering, his wand pointing straight at Harry's face. "'Potter, your race is run.' drawled lucius malfoy pulling off his mask now hand me the prophecy like a good boy let let the others go and i'll give it to you said harry desperately a few of the death eaters laughed you are not in a position to bargain potter said lucius malfoy his pale face flushed with pleasure you see there are ten of us and only one of you or has Dumbledore ever taught you how to count He's not alone shouted a voice from above them. He's still got to be. Harry's heart sank. Neville was scrambling down the stone benches towards them. Hermione's one held fast in his trembling hand. Neville, no, go back to Ron. Stupefy. Ron Neville sh- shouted again, pointing his wand at each death eater in turn. Stupefy Stupe! One of the largest death eaters seized Neville from behind, pinioning his arms to his side. He struggled and kicked. Several of the death eaters laughed. "'It's Longbottom, isn't it?' sneered Lucius Malfoy. "'Well, your grandmother is used to losing family members to our cause. "'Your death will not come as a great shock.' "'Longbottom!' repeated Bellatrix, with a truly evil smile at her gaunt face. "'Why, I've had the pleasure of meeting your parents, boy.' "'I know you Ab, roared Neville, and he fought um. so hard against his captor's encircling grip that the Death Eater shouted, "'Someone stun him!' "'No, no, no!' said Bellatrix. She looked transported, alive with excitement, as she glanced at Harry, then back at Neville. "'No! Let's see how long but lasts before he cracks like his parents, unless Potter wants to give us the prophecy. "'Don't give it to him!' roared Neville, who seemed beside himself, kicking and writhing as Bellatrix drew nearer to him in his captor. Her wand raised, "'Don't give it to him, Barry!' Bellatrix raised her wand. "'Crucio!' Neville screamed, his legs drawn up to his chest, so that the Death Eater holding was no more momentarily off the ground. The Death Eater dropped him, and he fell to the floor, twitching and screaming in agony. "'That was just a taster,' said Bellatrix, raising her wand so that Neville's scream stopped, and he lay sobbing at her feet. She turned and gazed up at Harry. "'Now, Putter, either give us the prophecy or watch your little friend die the hard way!' Harry did not have to think. There was no choice." The prophecy was hot with the heat of his clutching hand as he held it out. Malfoy jumped forwards to take it. Then, high above them, two more doors burst open and five more people sprinted into the room. Sirius, Lupin, Moody, Tonks, and Kingsley. Malfoy turned and raised his one, but Tonks had already sent a stunning spell right at him. Harry didn't wait to see whether he'd made contact, but dived off the dais out of the way. The Death Eaters were completely oh, distracted yeah. by the appearance of the members of the Order who were now raining spells down upon them as they jumped from step to step toward the sunken floor. Through the darting bodies, the flashes of light, Harry could see Neville crawling along. He dodged another jet of red light and flung himself flat on the ground to reach Neville. "'Are you okay?' he yelled as another spell soared inches over his head. "'Yes,' said Neville, trying to pull himself up. "'And Ron, I think he's all right. He was still fighting De braid when I left.'" The stone floor between them exploded as a spell hit it, leaving a crater right where, ne- where Neville's hand had been only seconds before. Both scrambled away from the spot. Then a thick arm came up out of nowhere, seized Harry from around the neck, and pulled him upright so that his toes were barely touching the ground. I don't know who this person is, but Give it to me, growled a voice in his ear. Give me the prophecy. The man was pressing so tightly on Harry's windpipe that he couldn't breathe. Through watering eyes, he saw Sirius dueling with a Death Eater some ten feet away. Kingsley was fighting two at once. Tonks, still halfway up the tiered seats, was firing spells down at Bellatrix. Nobody seemed to realize that Harry was dying. He turned his wand backwards towards the man's side, but had no breath to utter an incantation. The man's free hand was groping towards the hand in which Harry was gasping the prophecy. Ah. Neville had come lunging out of nowhere. Unable to articulate a spell, he had jabbed Hermione's wand hard into the eyehole of the Death Eater's mask. The man relinquished Harry at once with a howl of pain. Harry whirled whirled around to face him and gasped, STUPEFY! The Death Eater keeled over backwards and his mask slipped off. It was McNair, Buckbeats' would-be killer. One of his eyes was now swollen and bloodshot. Thanks, Harry said to Neville, pulling him aside as Sirius and his Death Eater lurched past dueling so fiercely that their wands were blurs then harry's foot made contact with something round and hard and he slipped for a moment he thought he had dropped the prophecy but then he saw moody's magical eyes spinning away across the floor oh. its owner was lying on his side bleeding from the head and his attacker was now bearing down on harry and neville dolahov his long pale face twisted with glee Tarantallegra he shouted his wand pointed at neville Whose legs went immediately into a kind of frenzied tap dance, unbalancing and then causing him to fall on the floor again. Now Potter. He made the same slashing movement with his wand that he had used with Hermione, just as Harry yelled "Protego." Harry felt something streak across his face like a blunt knife. The force of it knocked him sideways, and he fell over Neville's jerking legs. But the shield charm had worked. This. Sh- <coughs> <coughs> Sorry but the shield charm had stopped the worst of the spell. Dolohov raised his wand again. Accio-Prof Sirius had hurtled out of nowhere, ran to Dolohov with his shoulder, and sent him flying out of the way. The prophecy had again flown to the tips of Harry's fingers, but he had managed to cling on to it. Now Sirius and Dolohov were dueling, their wands flashing like swords, sparks flying from their wand tips. Dolohov drew back his wand to make the same slashing movement he had used on Harry and Hermione. Springing up, Harry yelled, Petrificus Totalis!" Once again, Dolohov's arms and legs snapped together and he keeled over backwards, landing with a crash on his back. Nice one, yelled Sirius, forcing Harry's head down as a pair of stunning spells flew towards them. Now I want you to get out of... They both ducked again. A jet of green light had nearly missed Sirius. Across the room, Harry saw Tonks from halfway up the stone step, her limp form toppling from stone seat to stone seat, and Belichick's triumphant running back towards the fray. Harry, take the prophecy, grab Neville, and run, Sirius yelled, dashing to meet Bellatrix. Harry didn't see what happened next. Kingsley swayed across his field of vision, battling with the pockmarked and no longer masked Rookwood. Another jet of green light flew over Harry's head as he launched himself towards Neville. Can you stand? He bellowed in Neville's ear, and Neville's legs jerked and twitched uncontrollably. Put your arm around my neck. Neville did so. Harry heaved. Neville's legs were still flying in every direction so that they could not support him. And then, out of nowhere, a man at, lunged at them. Both fell backward. Neville's legs, waving wildly like an overturned beetle's, Harry with his left arm held up in the air, trying to save the small glass ball from being smashed. The prophecy! Give me the prophecy, Potter! snarled Lucius Malfoy, and Harry felt the tip of Malfoy's one pressing hard between his ribs. No! Get off me! Neville, catch it! Harry flung the prophecy across the floor. Neville spun himself around on his back and scooped the ball to his chest. Malfoy pointed the wand instead at Neville, but Harry jabbed his own wand back of his shoulder and yelled, "Impedimenta!" All right, not there. All right, what you doing? What? Oh, like, how did Sirius like, all that, like, college, all that? All right, here we go. Um, Harry jabbed his one back over his back and he yelled in impediment. Okay. Malfoy was blasted off his back. As Harry scrambled up again, he looked around and saw Malfoy smash into the dais on which Sirius and Bellatrix were now dueling. Malfoy aimed his wand at Harry and Neville again, but before he could draw breath to strike, Lupin had jumped in between them. Harry, round up the others and go. Harry seized Neville by the shoulders in his robes and lifted him bodily to the first tier of the stone steps. Neville's legs twitched and jerked and would not support his weight. Harry heaved again with all the strength he possessed, and they climbed another step. A spell hit the stone bench at Harry's heel. It crumbled away, and he fell back into the step below. Neville sank onto the bench above, his legs still jerking and thrashing, and he thrust the prophecy into his pocket. "'Come on!' said Harry desperately, hauling at Neville's robes. "'Just try and push with your legs!' He gave another stupendous heave, and Neville's robes tore all along the left seam." the small spun-glass ball dropped from his pocket, and, before either of them could catch it, one of Neville's floundering feet kicked it. It flew some ten feet to the right and smashed on the step beneath them. As both of them stared at the place where it had broken, appalled at what had happened, a pearly white figure with hugely magnified eyes rose into the air, unnoticed by any but them. Harry could see its mouth moving, but in all the crashes and screams and yells surrounding them, Not one word of the prophecy could be heard. The figure stopped speaking and then dissolved into nothingness. Harry, I'm sorry, cried Neville, his face anguished as his legs continued to flounder. I'm so sorry, Harry. I didn't mean to. It doesn't matter, Harry shouted. Just try and stand. Let's get out of Double Door, said Neville, his sweaty face suddenly transported, staring over Harry's shoulder.
1: What? Double Door.
0: Harry turned to look where Neville was staring. Directly above them, framed in the doorway from the brain room, stood Albus Dumbledore, his wand aloft, his face white and furious. Harry felt a kind of electric charge surge through every particle of his body. They were saved. Dumbledore had already sped past Neville and Harry, who had no more thoughts of leaving, when the Death Eaters nearest realized Dumbledore was there and yelled to the others. One of the Death Eaters ran for it, scrabbling like a monkey up the stone steps opposite. Dumbledore's spell pulled him back as easily and effortlessly as though it had hooked him with an invisible line. Only one pair was still battling, apparently unaware of the new arrival. Harry saw Sirius duck Bellatrix's jet of red light. He was laughing at her. "'Come on, you can do better than that!' he yelled, his voice echoing around the cavernous room. The second jet of light hit him squarely on the chest." The laughter had not quite died from his face, but his eyes widened in shock. Harry released Neville, though he was unaware he was doing so. He jumped to the ground, pulling out his wand as Dumbledore, too, turned to the dais. It seemed to take Sirius an age to fall. His body curved in a graceful arc as he sank backward through the ragged veil hanging from the arch. Harry saw the look of mingled fear and surprise on his godfather's wasted, once handsome face as he fell through the ancient doorway... And disappeared behind the veil which fluttered for a moment as though in a high wind then fell back into place harry heard Bellatrix lestrange's triumphant scream but knew it meant nothing sirius had only just fallen through the archway but he would reappear from the other side any second but sirius did not reappear sirius harry yelled sirius harry's breath was coming in searing gasps sirius must be just behind the curtain he, Harry, would pull him back out. As he sprinted toward the dais, Lupin grabbed Harry around the chest, holding him back. There's nothing you can do, Harry. Get him! Save him! He's only just gone through! It, it's too late, Harry. We can still reach him! Harry struggled hard and viciously, but Lupin would not let go. There's nothing you can do, Harry. Nothing. He's gone.
2: Reading the third
0: chapter. End of chapter 35. Chapter 36. The only one he ever feared. He hasn't gone! Harry yelled. He did not believe it. He would not believe it. Still, he fought Lupin with every bit of strength he had. Lupin didn't understand. People hid behind that curtain. Harry had heard them whispering the first time he'd entered the room. Sirius was hiding, simply lurking out of sight. Sirius! He bellowed, "Serious! He can't come back, Harry." said Lupin, his voice breaking even as he struggled to contain Harry. "He he can't come back because he's de- He is not dead!" roared Harry. "Serious!" There was movement going on around them, pointless bustling, the flashes of more spells. To Harry it was meaningless noise. The deflected curses pa- flying past them did not matter. Nothing mattered except that Lupin should not Lupin said that Lupin should stop pretending that Sirius, who was going to be standing feet from them behind that old curtain, was not going to emerge at any moment, shaking back his dark hair and eager to re-enter the battle. Lupin dragged Harry away from the dais. Harry, still staring at the archway, was angry at Sirius for keeping him waiting, but some part of him realized, even as he fought to break free from Lupin, that Sirius had never kept him waiting before sirius had risked everything always to see harry to help him (coughs) if sirius was not reappearing out of that archway when harry was yelling for him as though his life depended on it the only possible explanation was that he could not come back that he really was dumbledore had most of the remaining death eaters grouped into the middle of the room seemingly immobilized by invisible ropes Mad Eye Moody had crawled across the room to where Tonks lay. He was attempting reviver to reviver. Behind the dais, there were still flashes of light, grunts and cries. Kingsley had run forward to continue Sirius's duel with Bellatrix. Harry. Neville had slid down the stone benches one by one to the place where Harry stood. Harry was no longer struggling against Lupin, who, ma- who maintained a precautionary grip on his arm. Nevertheless, Harry, I'm, I'm really sorry," said Neville. His legs were still dancing uncontrollably. Was that man, was Sirius Black, um, a friend of yours? Harry nodded. Here," said Lupin quietly, and pointed his wand at Neville's legs, he said, "Finite." The spell was lifted. Neville's legs fell back to the floor and remained still. Lupin's face was pale. Let's, let's find the others. Where are they all, Neville? Lupin turned away from the archway as he spoke. It sounded as though every word was causing him pain.
1: They're all back there,
0: said Neville. A braid attacked Rod, but I think he's all right. And Rodite is unconscious but we could feel a pulse. There was a loud bang and a yell from behind the dais. Harry saw Kingsley at the ground, yelling in pain. Belichick's Lestrange turned tail and ran as Dumbledore whipped around. He aimed a spell at her, but she deflected it. She was halfway up the steps now. ''Harry, no!'' cried Lupin, but Harry had already ripped his arm from Lupin's from Lupin's slackened grip. ''She killed Sirius!'' bellowed Harry. ''She killed him!'' ''I'll kill her!'' And he was off, scrambling up the stone benches. People were shouting behind him, but he didn't care. The hem of Bellatrix's robes whipped out of sight ahead, and they were back in the room where the brains were swimming. She aimed a curse over her shoulder. The tank rose into the air and tipped. Harry was deluged in the foul-smelling potion within the brains slipped and slid over him and began spinning their long-colored tentacles, but he shouted, Wingardium Leviosa! And they all flew up of him, flew up off of him into the air. Slipping and sliding, he ran on towards the door. He leapt over Luna, who was groaning on the floor, past Jenny, who said, Harry, what? Past Ron, who giggled feebly, and Hermione, who was still unconscious. He wrenched open the door into the circular black hall and saw Belladrix disappearing through a door on the other side of the room. Beyond her was the corridor leading back to the lifts. He ran, but she had slammed the door behind her and the walls were already rotating. Once more, he was surrounded by streaks of blue light from the whirling candelabra. "'Where's the exit?' he shouted desperately as the wall rumbled to a hard halt again. "'Where's the way out?' The room seemed to have been waiting for him to ask. The door right behind him flew open and the corridor towards the lift stretched ahead of him, torch lit and empty. He ran. He could hear a lift clattering ahead. He sprinted to the passageway, swung around the corner, and slammed his fist onto the button to call a second lift. It jangled and banged lower and lower. The grills slid open, and Harry dashed inside, now hammering the button marked Atrium. The door slid shut, and he was rising. He forced his way out of the lift before the grills were fully open and looked around. Bellatrix was almost at the telephone lift at the other end of the hall, but she looked back as he sprinted towards him and aimed another spell at him. He dodged behind the Fountain of Magical Brethren, The spell zoomed past him and hit the wrought-gold gates at the other end of the atrium, so that they rang like bells. There were no more footsteps. She had stopped running. He crouched behind the stair statues, listening.
2: "'Come out, Harry! Come out, little Harry!'
0: she called in her mock baby voice, which echoed off the polished wooden floors. "'What did you come after me for, then? I thought that you were here to avenge my dear cousin!' "'I am!' shouted Harry, and a score of ghostly Harrys seemed to chorus, I am, I am, I am, all around the room. Oh, did you love him, little baby Potter? Hatred rose in Harry such as he had never known before. He flung himself out from behind the fountain and bellowed, Crucio! Bellatrix screamed. The spell knocked her off her feet, but she did not writhe and shriek with pain as Neville had. She was already back on her feet, breathless, no longer laughing. Harry dodged behind the golden fountain again. Her counter spell hit the head of the hounds of wizard, which was blown off and landed twenty feet away, gouging long scratches into the wooden floor. "'Never used an unforgettable curse before, have you, boy?' she yelled. She abandoned her baby voice now. "'You need to mean it, Potter. You need to really want to cause pain, to enjoy it. Righteous anger won't hurt me for long. I'll show you how it is done, shall I? I'll give you a lesson.' Harry was edging around the fountain on the other side when she screamed, Crucio! and He was forced to duck down again as the centaur's arm, holding its bow, spun off and landed with a crash in the floor, a short distance from the golden wizard's head.
2: Potter, you cannot win against me,
0: she cried. He could hear her moving to the right, trying to get a clear shot of him. He backed around the statue away from her, crouching behind the centaur's legs, his his head level with the house-elves.
2: "'I was, and am the Dark Lord's most loyal servant. "'I learned the dark arts for him, "'and I know spells of such power "'that you pathetic little boy can never hope to compete.'
0: "'Stupefy!' yelled Harry. "'He had edged right around to where the goblin "'had be- stood beaming up at the now headless wizard "'and taken aim at her back as she peered around the fountain. "'She reacted so fast that he barely had time to duck. "'Protego!' "'The jet of red light, his own stunning spell, "'bounced back at him. "'Harry scrambled back at the fountain.' And one of the goblin's ears was sent flying across the room. Potter, I'm going to give you one more chance," shouted Bellatrix. "Give me the prophecy. Roll it out towards me now, and I might spare your life. Well, you're going to have to kill me because it's gone," Harry roared, and as he shouted it, pain seared across his forehead. His scar was on fire again, and he felt a surge of fury that he was quite—he felt a surge of fury that was quite unconnected with his own rage. And he knows said Harry, with a mad laugh to match Bellatrix's own. Your dear old mate Voldemort knows it's gone. He's not going to be happy with you, is he? What? What do you mean? she cried, and for the first time there was fear in her voice. The prophecy smashed when I was trying to get Neville up the steps. What do you think Voldemort will say to that then? His scar seared and burned, the pain of it was making his eyes stream. Liar she shrieked, but he could hear the terror behind her anger now. "'You've got it, Potter, and you will give it to me!
2: prophecy! "'Acheoprophecy! prophecy!
0: "'Harry laughed again because he knew it, it would incense her. "'The pain was building in his head so badly "'that he thought his skull might burst. "'He waved his empty hand from behind the once eared goblin "'and withdrew it quickly as she sent another jet of green light flying at him. "'Nothing there!' he shouted. "'Nothing to summon! "'It smashed, and nobody heard what it said. "'Tell your boss that!' "'No!' she screamed. It isn't
2: true! You're lying! Master, I tried! I tried! Do not punish me!
0: Don't waste your breath! yelled Harry, his eyes screwed up against the pain in the scar, now more terrible than ever. He can't hear you from here.
1: Can't I, Potter?
0: said a high, cold voice. Harry opened his eyes. Tall, thin, and black hooded, his terrible snake-like face white and gaunt, his scarlet slit pupiled eyes staring. Lord Voldemort, had appeared in the middle of the hall, his wand pointing at Harry, who stood frozen, quite unable to move. So, you smashed my prophecy, said Voldemort softly, staring at Harry with those pitiless red eyes.
2: No, Bella, he is not lying. I see the truth looking at me from within his worthless mind. Months of preparation, months of effort, And my Death Eaters have let Harry Potter thwart me again. Master, I'm very sorry. I knew not. I was fighting Anamagus Black,
0: sobbed Bellatrix, flinging herself down at Voldemort's feet as he paced slowly nearer. Master, you should know. Be
2: quiet, Bella,
0: said Voldemort dangerously.
2: I shall deal with you in a moment. Do you think I have entered the Ministry of Magic to hear your snivelling apologies? But, Master, he is here, he is below.
0: Voldemort paid no attention.
2: I have nothing more to say to you, Potter,
0: he said quietly.
2: You have upped me too often for too long. Avada, cadavera.
0: Harry had not even opened his mouth to resist. His mind was blank, his wand pointing uselessly at the floor but the headless golden statue of the wizard in the fountain had sprung alive, leaping from its plinth to land with a crash on the floor between Harry and Voldemort. The spell merely glanced off its chest as the statue flung out its arms to protect Harry. What? cried Voldemort, staring around, and then he breathed. Dumbledore! Harry looked behind him, his heart pounding. Dumbledore was standing in front of the golden gates. Voldemort raised his wand, and another jet of green light streaked at Dumbledore, who turned and was gone in a whirling of his cloak. Next second, he had reappeared behind Voldemort and waved his wand toward the remnants of the fountain. The other statues sprang to life. The statue of the witch ran at Bellatrix, who screamed and sent spells streaming uselessly off its chest, before it dived at her, pinning her to the floor. Meanwhile, the goblin and the house-elf scuttled toward the fireplace to settle on the wall, and the one-armed centaur galloped at Voldemort. He vanished and reappeared beside the pool. The headless statue thrust Harry backwards away from the fight as Dumbledore advanced on Voldemort and the golden centaur cantered around them both. It was foolish to
1: come here tonight, Tom,
0: said Dumbledore calmly.
1: The auras are on their way. By which time I shall be gone and you
2: will be dead,
0: spat Voldemort. He sent another killing curse at Dumbledore, but it missed, instead hitting the security card's desk, which burst into flame. Dumbledore flicked his own wand. The force of the spell that emanated from it was such that Harry, though shielded by his golden guard, felt his hair stand on end as it passed. And this time, Voldemort was forced to conjure a shining silver. Sh- oh, this is a hard one. Shining silver shield out of thin air to deflect it. The spell, whatever it was, caused no visible damage to the shield, though a deep gong-like note reverberated from it—an oddly chilling sound. You do not seek to kill me, Dumbledore called Voldemort. His scarlet eyes narrowed over the top of the shield. Above such brutality are you. We
1: both know that there are other ways of destroying a man, Tom,
0: Dumbledore said calmly, continuing to walk toward Voldemort as though he had not a fear in the world, as though nothing had happened to interrupt his stroll up the hall.
1: Barely taking your life would not satisfy me, I admit.
0: There is nothing worse than death, Dumbledore, snarled Voldemort.
1: "'You are quite wrong,'
0: said Dumbledore, still closing in upon Voldemort, and speaking as lightly as though he were discussing the matter over drinks. Harry felt scared to see him walking along, undefended, shieldless. He wanted to cry out a warning, but his headless guard kept shunting him backwards towards the wall, blocking his every attempt to get out from behind it.
1: "'Indeed, your failure to understand that there are such things much worse than death has always been your greatest weakness.'
0: another jet of green light flew from behind the silver shield this time it was the one-armed centaur galloping in front of dumbledore that took the blast and it shattered it into a hundred pieces before the fragments had even hit the floor dumbledore had drawn back as one and waved it as though brandishing a whip a long thin flame flew from the tip it wrapped itself around voldemort's shield and all for a moment it seemed dumbledore had won but then the fiery rope became a serpent which relinquished its hole in Voldemort at once and turned, hissing furiously, to face Dumbledore. Dumbledore va- Voldemort vanished. The snake reared from the floor, ready to strike. There was a burst of flame in midair above Dumbledore, just as Voldemort reappeared, standing on the plinth in the middle of the pool where so recently the five statues had stood. Look out! Harry yelled. But even as he shouted, another jet of green light flew at Dumbledore from Voldemort's wand, and the snake struck. Fox swooped down in front of Dumbledore, "'opened his beak wide, "'and swallowed the jet of green-light whole. "'He burst into flame and fell to the floor, "'small, wrinkled, and flightless. "'At the same moment, Dumbledore brandished his wand "'in one long, fluid movement. "'The snake, which which had been an instant "'from sinking its fangs into him, "'flew high into the air and vanished "'in a wisp of dark smoke, "'and the water in the pool rose up "'and covered Voldemort like a cocoon of molten glass.' For a few seconds, Voldemort was visible only as a dark, rippling, faceless figure, shimmering and indistinct upon the plinth, clearly struggling to throw off the suffocating mass. Then he was gone, and the water fell with a crash back into its pool, slopping wildly over the sides, drenching the polished floor. "'Master!' screamed Bellatrix. Sure it was over, sure Voldemort had decided to flee. Harry made to run out from behind the statue guard, but Dumbledore bellowed, "'Stay where you are, Harry!' For the first time, Dumbledore sounded frightened. Harry could not see why. The hall was quite empty but for themselves, the sobbing Bellatrix still trapped under the witch statue and the baby fox phoenix croaking feebly in the floor. Then Harry's scar burst open and he knew he was dead. It was pain beyond imagining, pain past endurance. He was gone from the hall. He was locked in the coils of a creature with red eyes so tightly bound that Harry did not know where his body ended and where the creatures began, They were fused together, bound by pain. There was no escape. And when the creature spoke, it used Harry's mouth, so that in his agony he felt his jaw move.
2: Kill me now, Dumbledore!
0: Blinded and dying, every part of him screaming for release, Harry felt the creature use him again.
2: If death is nothing, Dumbledore, kill the boy! Let the pain stop, thought Harry. Let him kill us,
1: ended Dumbledore. Death is nothing compared to this and I'll see Sirius again.
0: And as Harry's heart filled with emotion, the creature's coils loosened. The pain was gone. Harry was lying face down on the floor, his glasses gone, shivering as though he lay upon ice, not wood. And there were voices echoing through the hall, more voices than there should have been. Harry opened his eyes, saw his glasses lying by the heel of the headless statue that had been guarding him, but which now lay flat on its back, cracked and immobile. He put them on and raised his head a little bit to find Dumbledore's crooked nose inches from his own.
1: Are you all right, Harry?
0: Yes, said Harry, shaking so violently that he could not hold his head up properly.
1: Yeah, I'm—where's um, Voldemort? Where—who are all these—whats?
0: The atrium was now full of people. The floor was reflecting the emerald green flames that had burst into life in all the fireplaces along one wall and streams of witches and wizards were now emerging from them. As Dumbledore pulled him back to his feet, Harry saw the tiny gold statues of the house elf and the goblin, leading a stunned look, Cornelius Fudge forward. Uh, he was there, shouted a scarlet robed man with a ponytail, who was pointing at a pile of golden rubble on the other side of the hall, where Bellatrix had lain trapped only moments before. I saw it, Mr. Fudge. I swear it was you-know-who. He grabbed a woman and disappeared. I know, Williamson, I know, I saw him too, gibbered Fudge, who was wearing pyjamas under his pinstripe cloak and was gasping as though he had just run miles. Merlin's beard, here, here, in the Ministry of Magic, great heavens above, it doesn't seem possible, my word, how can this be?
1: If you'll proceed downstairs into the Department of Mysteries, Cornelius,
0: said Dumbledore, apparently satisfied that Harry was all right, and walking forward so that the newcomers realized that he was there for the first time. A few of them raised their wands. Others looked simply amazed. The statues of the elf and the goblin applauded, and jumped. Fudge jumped so much that his slipper-clad feet left the floor. You will find several
1: escaped Death Eaters contained in the death chamber, bound by an anti-disapparition jinx, and awaiting your decision as to what to do with them next.
0: Dumbledore! gasped Fudge beside himself with amazement.
1: You! Here! I... I.
0: He looked wildly around as the oars that had brought with him with him, and could not have been clear as a wait, sorry, he looked wildly around at the oars he had brought with him, and it could not have been clearer that he was half in a mind to cry, seize him
1: Cornelius, I am ready to fight your men and win again, said Dumbledore in
0: a thunderous voice.
1: But in a few minutes ago you saw proof with your own eyes that I've been telling you the truth for a year. Lord Voldemort has returned. "'You have been chasing the wrong man for twelve months, "'and it is time you listened to sense.' "'I don't well,'
0: blustered Fudge, "'looking around as though hoping somebody was going to tell him what to do. "'When nobody did, he said, "'Very well, Dolish, Williamson, go down to the Department of Mysteries and see what... Well, um,
1: "'Dumbledore, you, you need to tell me exactly... The, "'The Fountain of Magical Brethren, what happened?'
0: "'He added in kind of a whimper. Staring around at the floor, which remained where the remained statues of the witch, wizard, and centaur lay scattered.
1: We can discuss that after I have sent Harry back to Hogwarts," said Dumbledore. "Harry,
0: Harry Potter." Fudge spun around and stared at Harry, who was still standing against the wall beside the fallen statue that had guarded him during Dumbledore and Voldemort's duel. "He, he here," said Fudge. "What, what's this all about?" I shall explain everything, repeated Dumbledore, when Harry
1: is back at school.
0: He walked away from the pool to the place where the golden wizard's head lay on the floor. He pointed his wand at it and muttered, "Portus." The head blowed blue, glowed blue and trembled noisily against the wooden floor for a few seconds, then became st- still once more. Now see here, Dumbledore, said Fudge, and Dumbledore picked up the head and walked back to Harry carrying it. You haven't got authorization for that portkey. You can't do things like that right here in front of the Minister of Magic. You! You! His voice faltered as Dumbledore surveyed him magisterially over his half-moon spectacles.
1: You will give the order to remove Dolores Umbridge from Hogwarts, said Dumbledore. You will tell your aurors to stop searching for my Care of Magical
0: Creatures teachers, teachers teacher so that he can return to work. I will give you... Dumbledore pulled a watch with twelve hands from his pocket and glanced at it. Half an hour of
1: my time tonight, in which I think we shall be more than able to cover all the important points of what has happened here. After that, I shall need to return to my school. If you need more help from me, you are, of course, more than welcome to contact me at Hogwarts. Let us address to the Headmaster will be fined.
0: Fudge goggled worse than ever. His mouth was open and his face grew pinker under his rumpled rumpled grey hair. I, you. Dumbledore turned his back on him. Take this portkey, Harry. He held out the golden head of the statue and Harry placed his hand on it, past caring what he did next or where he went next. I shall see you in half an hour, said Dumbledore quietly. One, two, three. Harry felt the familiar sensation of a hook being jerked behind his navel. The polished wooden floor was gone from beneath his feet. The atrium, fudge, and Dumbledore had all disappeared, and he was flying forwards towards towards Hogwarts in a whirlwind of color and sound.